Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. boots. Welcome to another Q&A for May 2023. Today we are going to talk about ground cover plants, cottage garden plants, irises, edible hedges, native plant pest issues, and, this is quite an interesting one actually, what questions to ask when requesting a landscaping quote. Now let's get started, and don't forget to listen out for your name at the end of the session, because you could be this month's lucky winner of a fantastic prize from the Plant Runner. The first question for Keith is from Jen. I've recently put in a new path and would appreciate suggestions for ground cover plants to grow between the pavers. It's only a lightly used path, but I'm in Canberra, so need frost-tolerant plants, Keith. Yes, well, as a matter of fact, I've just finished a design for um, not far from um, Canberra, so just to the east of Canberra, so they also get a lot of frosts up there as well. So that was a bit of research that I had to do. But the thing about having a pathway um, and planting in between it, you don't want anything that's going to be too tall that you've got to step over. And particularly if you've got kids or dogs or grandparents or someone else. Tripping. Yeah, too big. You You want to just have that transition between step to step to be as easy and as fluid as possible. So my suggestion would be to have a look at a little Australian native and, um, and that particular plant would be a plant called dichondra. And there's one that is uh, dichondra repens, which mm. is a dark green version. But there's also now another, another beautiful weeping form, which has got a beautiful silver foliage as well. So either one of those would work beautifully because they will colonise those open spaces all by themselves. You don't need to you know, go planting a whole heap. Just one in, one in between each pave and they'll just grow out to the sideway and, and colonise that open space. Same. So... Uh, it's drought tolerant once it's established and it is frost tolerant as well. Perfect. So it's, it's a beauty for that particular reason. Fabulous. Okay, question number two is from Debbie. What the heck is going on, Keith? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> my, my irises have sprouted and it's heading into winter. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, that's a bit of a funny one. But what you've got to sort of understand here is that plants work on a Uh, um, a basis of what is going on in the weather. Mm. So normally once when an iris, a rhizome or a bulb is in its dormant phase, that is during the the dry period. So it's generally during the dry periods of summer. So we've had an incredibly wet summer and uh, probably wet where you are. So therefore the bulbs have been rather confused. And you can actually, these will actually keep on, on flowering right up until winter. And a lot of them happen to do that all the way through Europe. So it's just a weather issue. It's nothing more, nothing less. It will all to be to do with the weather. Well, mine aren't sprouting. Why aren't mine sprouting? Mine should be. But anyway, they, but they seem to be sprouting earlier and earlier every year, yeah. I found. But they're not sprouting now. So lucky Debbie to have them sprouting now. Um, now, Charlotte also has a question about irises. I've been cleaning up a lot of irises, many of which are sun-scorched. I'm pulling off all the old leaves, but I'm wondering if I should be leaving them or cutting them into a fan shape. I'm leaving all the new shoots that are within the old leaves. Right. Well, the first thing you ever do do there is you don't cut old spent leaves. Not until they have gone 
horribly dry because while they, while they still might have a little bit of green in them, they're still, they're still performing and, and creating um, the two sugars through photosynthesis. So don't go cutting off any of the leaves. That, even though they look, might look a little bit daggy, just let them go, let them do what they're supposed to do. Now, the idea of, of cutting them into a triangle is really just done for selling purposes. It's, it's just to make them look presentable. It doesn't do a thing for them, really. You know, once, once the, the old leaves are totally di- died down, then you go in there with a pair of scissors or something else and just snip, snip, snip down nice and low. So that's it. But don't cut the leaves off. Okay. You got that, Charlotte? I think she has. <laughs> Our next question is from Catherine. What would you recommend to plant as a west-facing windbreak or hedge for a vegetable garden? And what distance from the raised garden bed should I plant it? I would love to use something edible. The vegetable growing area is 8 by 14 metres and my garden is on an exposed 2,500 square metre block. And that's facing Port Phillip Bay in Mount Martha. Well, you've got lots and lots of options. Um, the thing about, about having a plant close to a raised bed is really the only issue you've really got there is if you allow that plant to get as big as it wants to, it will then send out a root system that will get in underneath the, the raised bed and suck all the goodness out of, your, out of your raised beds. So you need to really be considering uh, hedging them and clipping them on a regular basis. That, that way you are, you're creating a sort of a, a form of bonsai and therefore you're limiting where the roots are going to be actually travelling to because they don't need to sustain any more than, than what's above it. So here's some, here's some great little options. For an edible hedge to say 1.2 metres high, you can use a plant called Agni Molinae, which is the Chilean guava. A taller hedge would be Fajoa celeriana, which is also a guava, um, a different type of guava, and that will, that will go to three metres high if you, if you didn't prune it. But the other thing you can consider as an edible hedge would be something like an avocado. They make fabulous hedges. Macadamias make great hedges. Bay trees... And, and you can inters- intersperse some of these. And then some olives will do well there as well. Um, there's some dwarf varieties of olives called Mediterranean Midget or Bambolini. Um, and they're also a fabulous hedging plant for beside uh, a, um, a vegetable bed with exposure to salt-laden winds. All those will tolerate that beautifully. Perfect. And that's what Mark Martha would get, of course. Exactly. Okay, now we have three questions coming up from Caroline. Now, I like this first one. That's a good one. What questions should we ask when getting a quote from a landscape gardener, Keith? Well, um, well if you're if you just getting a, gar- a landscape gardener to do a little bit of landscaping, then the first thing that, that I'd be asking them is, is uh, examples of their work. So show me some examples of what you've done. And, and I would also ask for client reviews because they're going to uh, ensure that, um, that, you know, that they're covered as well. So were they happy with the, the quality of the work that they did? Was the price you know, about right and all that sort of thing? Um, and then what you really need to ask, the final big question there is just what are they quoting for? And if you haven't got a set of specifications, you're relying on their uh, input and their ability, and, and that can be rather an, an open sort of a, a situation there where um, they might not be doing everything they should be doing to mm. the soil and the mulch depth and all those sorts of things. But the first thing, as I said, go and ask for examples of their works and some reviews from their clients. How do we get reviews from their clients? Because they, they might make them up. Um, so. no, we, no, no, no. You, you, you would say, um, what have you done in the area? Mm. Where can we go and have a look at these jobs? Ah. And, and can you give us some references that we can contact and ask about the work? Mm, Simple. Okay. You know, you've, you've got to, otherwise, you, you, know, you might be throwing good money after bad. 
Oh, it's word of mouth is always good it too, is, isn't absolutely. it? It is, absolutely. And depending on where she are, is, you mm-hmm. have some great landscape gardeners that you could possibly recommend But if, if you're in absolutely. the she's in the, our area. Okay, question number two from Caroline. I have eight magnolias which are losing their bottom leaves. They are against a fence and don't get a lot of afternoon sun. Okay, well, that's a natural, fairly natural process for evergreen plants. Um, that as they grow, they don't need the, the lower leaves, you know, for productive photosynthesis. Uh, and all this is happening, all this productive work is actually happening further up the tree. So they tend to drop the, the, the lower, older leaves off anyway. So my suggestion there would be to think about um, accepting that and planting perhaps something else underneath it, you know, so you're getting a nice contrast. And a great contrast for. Um, you know, for, say, magnolias, is perhaps the, to change the leaf shape down slightly uh, and maybe look at something like the, along the lines of the dwarf Raphaelepsis plants. They will, um, they're a beautiful, tough, hard plant that doesn't need any clipping or anything else, um, and they would work beautifully as a contrast with the great big leaves of the magnolia. Sounds pretty good to me. Okay, Caroline's third question is, I accidentally sprayed my standard kumquats with a weed killer. Mm. I quickly water the tops of the plants, but I'm not sure what else I should do to save them. All right, what you need to do is actually go and get some, some sprays for specific needs, such as one for herbicides and maybe one or more for insecticides, fungicides, and maybe one for liquid fertilisers. Um, they're not very expensive, and, and if, if you've got a standard uh, kumquat that you've sprayed with uh, a herbicide and, uh, and you, you haven't noticed what you've been spraying it with, that uh, could be a very expensive little, uh, little lesson you might learn. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that you've sprayed it off rather quickly because um, depending on what sort, of a, what sort of a herbicide you've used, say if you're using the normal one which contains glyphosate 360, that is, a, that is a, um, a herbicide that needs to be translocated by the plant. So it's got to go through, going to be absorbed by the plant, it goes down to the root system and then it comes back, back up and kills the plant. In, in this sort of an instance, that takes quite a few hours to work, you know. So if you've hosed it off after you've realised what you've done, great, you've, you've probably right. saved your plant. Make sure you, you give the root pots uh, a real good drench as well just to wash that glyphosate out. Mm, good luck. You've got to wash that glass of feet out of my hair. <laughs> Singing as well, Keith. I didn't realise you could. Um, now, Carol has a question about cottage garden plants. I would love to create a beautiful cottage garden. I don't have a big space, but so far I have some hydrangeas, echinacea, salvia, daisies, lavender, and a couple of other plants. I'm not sure what plants out of these need to be pruned down to the ground. Uh, at, at this time of the year, you'd be looking at, at, the, at the old spent um, flower heads and maybe the old spent leaves and, and removing those just to tidy the whole thing up. But my suggestion would be to wait until winter. The hydrangeas, once they've lost all their leaves, you cut those back to the first two large buds uh, and that'll ensure that you'll get, a, you'll get a good flowering head next year. The lavender, it needs the old flower heads cut back to the main bush. Don't go cutting back too much behind that. Daisies depend on the varieties, um, as some of those are evergreen and some are not. So you, the evergreen ones, you just simply would be deadheading the old flowers off those. Um, the, the other types, you'd be looking to cut those back fairly close to the ground. Echinacea, you remove all the dead foliage right down to the ground. And um, with, with, as far as salvias go, what you're looking for there is, is 
is that salvias will generally present new florets down the very, very bottom. That's not on all varieties, but most of them do. And this tells you how far to cut those, those old spent canes back to. You cut them back down to where the florets are. If, you, if they don't present new flower, uh, florets, then what I would suggest you do then is just wait until the middle of winter when they're totally dormant and then cut them right back and they'll be fine for the following year. And then give them all a nice little light dressing of a good compost or a little bit of blood and bone or something else like that just to, so it settles them in, in for the, the winter and then bang, they'll take off again. Fabulous. Okay, our last two questions for this week come from Chloe. Firstly, she says, I'd like to say that I love your podcast. Oh, that's so lovely. And every week it motivates me to gather more information on my plants and get outside in my garden. At age 23, I still have a lot to learn and I'm wondering if you could help me with a few questions. That is great to hear, Chloe. Thank you so much and we would love to help you. Okay, so her first question is... I have a few native bushes in the garden and for some reason they seem to die off in sections. When I remove the limbs that have completely died off, I find that they are rotten on the inside. This also happens to some of my lavender plants. I do have very dense clay soil at home and do my best to mix in organic materials. Are my plants getting some sort of root rot or a bug that is causing this gradual dying off? And Chloe uh, sent through a picture of the infected tree Mm -hmm. to Keith, so he's seen that. I've seen that, yes. All right, so what I'm what I'm thinking here is that the, the plant that you have the plants that you've selected uh, are rotting because they're unsuitable for heavy clay soils. So that's the, that's the first thing, um, and that, and those plants may be WA plants, Western Australian plants that love deep sandy soils. So if if you if you wish to have a, a native planting theme, I would strongly suggest that you have a look at a nursery called Kuranga Native Nursery. So that's K U R A N G A Native Nurseries on their website and have a look at their range of plants for clay loam and clay soils. And the same deal same deal applies to lavender. Uh, they all hate wet feet. So you could also try using gypsum um, to, to help to break up and flocculate that, that heavy, uh, sticky clay. And uh, if you're going to use the powdered gypsum, you apply that at two, kilo, two, two kilograms per square metre, and you've just got to sort of fork that in, break it in. Or if you go to the big green warehouse and go to their special orders desk, you can ask for a product ma- made by a company called Eco, E-C-O, and they have a liquid form of gypsum that you can actually you can actually just spray it onto the soil and it'll work its way. But you've got to keep on doing this on a regular basis. It's not you know do it once and you know it's it's finished forever. But the more organic matter that you can add to the soil, the better all that those plants are going to, going to be. So you look, I think you're fantastic at 23 having a crack at this. And goodness, you're learning and you'll have a lot of success if you just take a bit of advice. Imagine how good she's going to be when she gets to our old age. Oh, my word. (laughs) Okay, question number two from Chloe. I have a native bottle brush tree in the garden which has been completely infested with sawfly larva. Larvae? Larva? Larva. Larvae. I like to support all the native bugs and critters in my gardens as much as possible and I'm happy for a few bits and pieces of my plants to be eaten and consumed to support the insects and bugs. However, these larvae are completely stripping my mature bottle brush. First question, are sawflies a beneficial insect or more of a pest? And secondly, where will you guys draw the line in regards to supporting the life cycle of insects and bugs in your gardens and protecting your plants? Um, The answer to that 
very very easily for me is when you have an infestation you've got a you've got a problem there's something that's out of balance um, and I've noticed that that the sawfly uh, can become very problematic there was a period of about in about oh, probably about eight years ago that I saw they were there, literally everywhere it was just an incredible infestation now the, the native sawfly larva um, are a native wasp when they they do their, their their metamorphosis they become a little wasp but they don't have a sting and they have natural predators such as birds ants and other insects uh, and they uh, but they generally attack bottle brushes and paper barks and one of the reasons that they'll do that is that those plants are generally in, in, in a stressful situation so therefore their immunity is, is not as good to ward off off the pest disease so these infestations get bigger and bigger and bigger are they are they um a useful bug in in the world yeah. well every bug's useful but not when they're in that proportion you know of, of uh, in, in infestation so no there's a couple of things you can do there's a, a great organic way of doing it and that is using a product called diatomaceous earth which is a single-celled um, shellfish that's, that's been ground down. And that, this product comes from Queensland. Uh, you can buy it online and you just simply throw it over the top of them and it will kill them big time. Um, the, other, the other thing to do, which is a little less organic, but you're going to get a, a great quick knockdown situation, is using a product called Bathroid. And this is just mixed with water and then it is sprayed onto the, onto the plants and, and the, the insects. If you find them early enough, then pruning is, is, an, is as an effective way of controlling these little fellas. So, you know, prune them off and just bin them. When I was growing up as a kid, we always we, we called these particular um, larvae, they were called spitfires. Oh. And, and, you know, our older brothers and sisters always said, look, don't, don't disturb them because they'll rear their heads. And they actually do spit out this, this substance that if it gets in your eyes, Ooh. it's very, very irritating. Ew. So um, <laughs> you've got to be careful, the little sods. And they all stick together. They're not a caterpillar. They're a larvae. You know, so they're all, but they're all joined together. It looks like this, you know, that multi-headed oh. beast from way back, way way back in Greek mythology times. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Weird. We say, I don't know if I've seen them. I probably have, but I haven't. You probably walked under them. Never noticed them. Walked under them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go, Chloe. That's fantastic. Thank you, Keith. They're all great answers. Now, that, that's gone so fast. But thank you and thank you to all of you for sending in your fabulous questions. Please keep them coming either by DM to our Muddy Boots Instagram or Facebook pages or by emailing gardengirl at aussiemail.com.au. And please let us know if there are any specific topics that you would like us to discuss as a main podcast because we would love to hear from you. Now it's time to find out who our Q&A prize winner is for this month. And the prize goes to Caroline for her fabulous question regarding landscaping quotes. And we need to cheer her up after she accidentally sprayed her kumquat trees with weed killer. <laughs> so we've got to give her a prize. Yeah, congratulations. Yes, we'll be in contact with you shortly, Caroline. A huge thanks again goes to the team at The Plant Runner for supplying the fantastic monthly Q&A prize. Visit theplantrunner.com. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.